the last uh, few weeks, we've been talking about chasing. We've talked about uh, how we all have a drive to chase something. And that's okay that we have this, this drive and desire to chase something. God created in us a desire to run after um, to run after stuff, to run after something. Um, but the things that we choose to chase uh, are the things are the things that guide our words and our actions and our thoughts. And so then the things that we chase, we have to pick pretty carefully, right? If, if you're going to chase something, and that something is going to be what controls the way you live your life, the way you speak, the way you act, the way you respond, then we have to be careful what it is that we, we choose to chase after. And so we, talk, uh, we talked about uh, some of the things that the, that the world would have us chase that we so naturally desire to chase, like uh, happiness, money, stuff. Uh, we, we, we talked about all of these things, but how it's really not those things that we're supposed to be chasing, but it's, it's God. And whenever we're chasing after God, it's, it's when we're doing that and we're truly seeking him, we're chasing after him that we find true joy, not happiness, which is an emotion that comes and goes, but joy that's eternal, that lasts regardless of the circumstances, right? Instead of uh, chasing after money and stuff, we chase after God and he sustains us with the things that we need, not the, just the stuff that we think we need, but, um, but the stuff that we actually need. We've talked about all those things. Um, and one of the key verses uh, that I've actually been working off of that we've not talked about directly, uh, we'll talk about now, uh, in the Gospel of John chapter 10, you can turn there real quick if you want, we'll, we won't be there super long. <coughs> Excuse me. But in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus is in the middle of um, teaching uh, and he says, he says this right here. He says, the thief, he's talking about Satan, the enemy. He says, the enemy comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so the enemy would have us believe that happiness, the emotion happiness, is something that we should be driving after, that it's, it's, it's what we really desire, or that money and stuff is what's really going to make us happy, right? Um, but Jesus came to bring salvation, to die on the cross, to provide a way for our sins to be forgiven for us, to be, uh, have a way to be made right into relationship with God so that we can find true life, the life that we were created to live, which is in relationship with him. And so the whole premise, and I've said this from the very beginning, the, the main thought of these last four weeks or last three weeks and tonight is that we're supposed to be chasing God. Now, there are lots of different avenues of that, but the main idea, our main focus should be God. That's what we were created to chase, is to be in relationship with him and to seek after knowing him more and more and more. And whenever you experience his goodness, yeah, we get drawn away and we allow the things of the world to pull us away sometimes. So when you really experience his goodness, whenever you've, you've experienced salvation, there's this desire, hopefully, to want to know more and to come closer and to really be in that relationship uh, with God deeper, deeper and deeper. Um, but, we've, but we do face these challenges of being tempted uh, to chase after these other things. And so we've talked about uh, some of that stuff and how to move away from that. And tonight we're going to talk about one, uh, one other uh, thing. There's lots of things that we could talk about that we chase after. I'm just hitting kind of broad categories here. Uh, but tonight we're going to talk about uh, satisfaction, which is different than happiness, right? Satisfaction, uh, we chase after 
what's next where we're not, right? So sometimes that looks like a, a life stage. Like you guys are in middle school, and you're like, if you were like me in middle school, you're like, middle school is the worst. I'm ready to get into high school. I can be like more of a real person, right? Like, I mean, that, you would never say that directly, but that's kind of the thought. Like, I'm ready to move to the next thing. I'm not happy where I'm at. I want the next thing. We, we often live that way, and I often live that way where we're wanting whatever's next, whatever the next stage of life is until you get to a certain age and then you're like, no, I want to I go back. That's terrible. That's the worst. So stay as long as you can, right? Uh, that's a quote from an old, old movie. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but we, we always want what's next. We're never satisfied with what we have. And Jesus um, told a parable. It's in Luke chapter 16. I'm not going to read it. I'm just going to story it for you. But if you want to write that down and go back and read it, it's always worth doing. Luke chapter 16, starting in verse 16, I believe. Uh, it's this parable where Jesus t- uh, tells, uh, talks about this rich man who has everything. He sought after, he sought after it all. He, he was always wanting more. He was always wanting the next thing. That was uh, What was going to bring him satisfaction was having more and more and more and getting to the next stage of life and getting to the next thing. But he had abundance. And then outside of the gate of this rich man's complex was this poor man named Lazarus. Not the same Lazarus that was raised from the dead. Lazarus was kind of a common name. Not like, not like John Common, but more like Jason Common. Does that make sense? You know a few Jasons, but not like a million of them. But you know like a, a million like Emmas, right? Everybody's named Emma these days. Um, my daughter's named Emma, so I'm guilty too. But uh, so anyway, not the same... Uh, not the same guy that was raised from the dead. But so you have this, this poor guy, Lazarus, who's um, outside the gate. He's poor, he's homeless. He hangs out at the gate to get the scraps from the rich man's table. He's, he's, he's satisfied and okay being where he's at and just receiving the scraps off, off the man's table. He's, he's not doing anything crazy, not trying to like break down the guy's gate to get into what the guy has or any of that kind of stuff. He's just there. And so as Jesus tells the story, um, both men die, not like at the same moment or like in battle or anything. Um, Lazarus, Lazarus dies, and he goes to heaven. And in the story, the way Jesus tells it um, is Lazarus goes to hang out with uh, Moses, right? Because Moses has been gone a long time, but in Jewish culture, Moses was highly revered uh, and is one of the forefathers. And so him and Abraham and Jacob... These, like, if you got to go hang out with those guys when you went to heaven, that was incredible. Like, they were rock stars in this, in this culture. Uh, and so Lazarus, in this story, is, is he, he's hanging out uh, with Moses. So he's living it up, man. He's, he's getting to hang out with, like, the Grand Poopah. You don't know that reference either, but, like, in their culture, like, hanging out with Moses was a big deal. And so in death, this guy has it all. And then the rich man dies because he didn't seek after God. He wasn't chasing after God wasn't in relationship with God, didn't seek forgiveness. He went to hell. And there was suffering the torment in hell. And this is one of the parables that, that really clues us into the reality of hell. Yes, the story itself Jesus made up, but when Jesus refers to specific real locations and stories, they're real locations. And so this is one of those places that we know from Jesus' teaching that hell is a very, very real place. And so this guy ends up there and realizes that none of the things that he had chased in life, none of the comforts he knew, none of the food that he enjoyed and just ate a few bites of and threw away, none of that went with him 
and he was in torment to never, ever know the joy of, of anything ever again. But in this story, um, this, this rich man actually gets to look across this, this giant chasm, and he sees Lazarus hanging out with Moses, and he yells out across and says, says, Father Moses, let Lazarus come and just dip his tongue in the coolness of the water and bring me some relief. He was just begging for some relief from the torment that he was suffering. And then the response to him was, no, that chasm is, is far too wide. Anybody that's over here can't go there. And anybody that's there where you are can't come here. You're, well, the place that you are now, once you, have, once you have died, is where you will forever and eternity remain. And the things that you enjoy or don't enjoy in those places forever remain. And so this is a prime example of someone who sought satisfaction of the things in this world, missed out on the greatest satisfaction of life, which is God, and ended up in eternal torment. And then a man who was satisfied with where he was, not necessarily like happy about all that. Like this is not like, hey, be happy if you're super poor. That's not like what this story is, right? But that he was, he was satisfied where he was because he knew God and God was enough. And so in heaven, he was, he was rewarded. Jesus talks about this in another way, uh, in another passage where he talks about where your treasures where you store your treasures is important. So if you're building up wealth and treasures and things on this earth and you find satisfaction and you're chasing after those things here on earth, that stuff's not eternal, right? We talked about that already. That doesn't go with you. And so then you have nothing when you, when you die if you've missed out on God and you go to hell. You have nothing. But if you've really placed your real joy, your real uh, satisfaction in what is eternal, and that's God, then in the end you have far greater happiness, joy, satisfaction, all of these things. Um, so tonight I want to give us uh, a few key uh, secrets, right? You want to know some secrets? Um, I'll give you three secrets. This is one of those. Here's three steps to da-da-da. No, it's not that kind of thing. But three secrets uh, to, to chasing true satisfaction. Not what the world sees as satisfaction, where you're always wanting more, you're always wanting to be in the next thing and, and, and having whatever's next but true satisfaction, what that looks like. So secret number one, satisfaction is learning to be content. Learning to be content. Now, that doesn't mean you lose drive. That doesn't mean you give up on ever, uh, you know, pushing forward and wanting, like, to achieve big things in your life or whatever, but it's being okay with where you are. This is that always, always wanting what's next, Right? wanting the next stage of life. But what's interesting um, is that there's, um, there's a lot of change that happens as we move into uh, these other things. And you'll never, you'll never get to be where you are right now, ever again. So like as, you, as you grow up and you're like, oh, blah, 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 I don't like the place that I'm in. My parents are dumb, blah, 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 blah. It's a, it's a, they're not, but you think they are. Um, like you... All, all this stuff, you think that the next thing is better, the next thing is bigger, but you'll never be where you are right now. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Uh, there's, this, there's this video I want to see in just a second that's uh, it's about 
things that are creepy. Um, well, actually, it's, it's, they, they word it better, but basically it's, it's things that kids do, like little kids, like my little five-year-old daughter, uh, that they do that's really cute when you're five, but like if adults do them, it's, it's really creepy. Um, and so it, it, it illustrates, in, in my mind at least, hopefully you'll find it funny and you'll get, the, you'll get what I'm trying to do here, uh, it illustrates like you can't keep what you have and have the next thing, right? Like you, you got to grow up and as you, as you do grow up and that sort of thing, but, but don't do it so quickly. Be content with where you are. Let's, let's watch this video. Give me it. Give me it. I want it. Why are you bald? Hey, um, you're kind to Girls are disgusting. I got you something. soul actually has mass is a real tangible thing that we're not living in just some uh, empty existence I'm bored oh there was a there was another thing but it's fine it's fine he makes another noise it's really funny anyway so you can't ever go back to where you've been like I'm sure even where you are there are times where you're like man I wish I were you know like five again and I could not have to like do school like I could just ride around on my bike in the neighborhood it'd be awesome right like already now you're like man I wish I could go back to that time right as you get older that's going to be the same but being content where you are is a part of this real uh, satisfaction yes you look forward to uh, some advantages that come with uh, being a grown-up and, th and that's okay but but desiring that and chasing after that so much that you forget where you are and you're not ever actually where you are now is not a good thing. Which leads us uh, to the next uh, secret here, is a uh, secret to satisfaction, is experiencing what you can now. Experiencing what you can now. There are opportunities afforded to you right now where you are in your stage of life that you'll never have again. And if you're always looking forward to the next thing and always not and never satisfied and content with where you are, then you're going to miss out on those opportunities. One of um, one of the examples that I thought of uh, for me that thankfully uh, I chose was that uh, when I was in fifth grade, uh, my mom would not let me play football. Right, fifth grade and whenever I was going to school was whenever you really kind of started like sc school athletics and things like that. And my mom would not let me play football. Now I had played soccer for a long time. Uh, but I, you know, I was in like Swamp, Mississippi, and like the cool thing to do was play football. And I think a lot of places in the South, probably even here, like the cool thing to do is play football. Now the rest of you people who don't play football, you're like, football's lame, right? Uh, you tell yourself that, but it's not. Um, anyway, so my mom would not let me play football. Said I'd get hurt. All these things. She did let my little brother play football later on. I was pretty mad about that. I was like, what the heck? You let him play? But he did get hurt. She was right. So mom's always right. Anyway. Um, she would not let me play football, so I was like, well, I guess I'll try band, right? I guess I'll try this out. Uh, somebody said I should try band, and so I tried band, 
I first started as a drummer because every guy wants to just beat on things because um, that's awesome. And I still do that constantly. I'm always drumming. It drives my wife nuts, right? Uh, I'm always drumming on stuff. I wish I were uh, a drummer. Spencer, who was on the drums tonight, it was his first time, uh, his first time ever to play in public. Didn't he do an awesome job, right? First time ever to play in public. He's not in here, but you can clap. It's fine. I'll tell him you clap for him. Uh, I'll tell him it was a standing ovation and everything. He'll, he'll, he'll love it. Anyway, um, so I, I wanted to play drums, uh, but every fifth grade guy wanted to play drums, and so they were like, hey, does anybody want to try something else? Uh, and we were all like, no, that's dumb, <laughs> right? Uh, but eventually I was like, oh, fine, I'll do it. And I started to play trombone, which took me on a journey of playing trombone for like 13 years, right? I went all the way through high school. I went through college and then played in uh, a church right out of college. I played in their orchestra and that kind of thing. Um, but that choice, the opportunity I was, I was given at that point, though it wasn't necessarily what I wanted to do initially, led to my passion for music, which led to, before I came here, I was a worship leader for a student ministry in Texas for a few years. Um, I've, I've played in worship bands, and I still get to play music and all that now, and it's a way uh, that I get to connect with God on a deeper level that I wouldn't have had I just, had my mom just let me play football, and I didn't ever try to do band at all. And so I, it, was a, it was a time, thankfully, that I took an opportunity that was given me at that point, which has led to a deeper relationship with Jesus and opportunities to worship Jesus and to, to make his name known that I would have never had had I not taken that opportunity. And so pay attention to the things around you, where you are now, and experience those things for what they are, where you are, because you never know where that's going to take you. You never know how God's going to use those things in your life um, as you go forward. Like one example is going to Centrifuge. You have the opportunity to go to Centrifuge, which is this awesome week-long Christian camp this summer that only like half of you are signed up for right at this point, and we're going to have to extend the deadline because you're slackers, but some of you are not going because you have lame excuses like, I'm in uh, baseball or whatever. You should quit that, and you need to come to this instead. This is an opportunity given to you that's going to change your life. You are not going to be a professional baseball player. I'm sorry. <laughs> Jesus will be with you forever. Baseball will not. Fact. Um, if, you are, if you are like the next Babe Ruth, I'm going to be real embarrassed by this, but... <laughs> For now, statistically, you're not going to be a professional baseball player, so you should just quit that and do this. You can tell your parents I said that. They'll come yell at me. It's fine. It's fine. But here's, here's the reality of that, though. You'll, you'll get to hear some of this next week if you show up to senior, greenhouse, uh, senior night at Greenhouse, uh, which you should all be here because it's going to be incredible. Um, they're inevitably, I've not heard the stories that will be told by the seniors yet, but inevitably, every year there's at least one, if not multiple, uh, seniors who say, I wish I had gone on more trips. I wish... I have had, had taken advantage of the things that were give, the opportunities that were given me in student ministry because now I'm graduating and I'm never getting those opportunities again. Now, some people, they go on every trip and that's awesome uh, and their lives are forever changed because of all those things. So you, the opportunities you have now don't last forever. So you, you, need to, you need to take those opportunities while you can, experience what you can now. And so this all comes back to being satisfied with where you are and who you are these times. So the, the, the third secret I have here is having faith in God. Secret to satisfaction. This is where it all really boils down. It's having faith in God. And this is, this is where this, this uh, 
can get a little tricky because, you know, faith is uh, literally defined as, as believing in something that's unseen, that's, that's really unknowable fully, right? Like you, if, if you're a Christian, you know that God's real because you've experienced God, but there's no real way to explain that because there's this level of faith that you have to step out and believe. Because if you could just like figure out all the things of God, he wouldn't be a very big God. He wouldn't be a very powerful God. Um, but the fact that you can't figure out everything about God and that God isn't, like you can't fully know God is actually an incredible thing. It's, it can be frustrating, and I get that. And for some of you in the room who, who don't have a relationship with Jesus, maybe that's your hang-up. You're like, well, I just can't figure it all out. You're not going to be able to. I'm sorry. <laughs> you just can't. And that's actually a good thing because I would like, personally, I, I'm happy that the God of the universe, the one who created me and you and all of these things, is bigger and better uh, than I could ever imagine. Like, if I could, in my pea size barely functioning brain could figure out all of God, then he wouldn't be a God big enough and great enough to serve. Does that make sense? And so it's, it, it can be frustrating, but a, a secret and satisfaction um, is, is having that faith in God, trusting um, that God has put you right where you are, right where he wants you to be. As crazy as you might think that is because of where you are in life, the things that you have to go through, some of the things you guys go through, are going through, is hard. And I get that. Families are broken. Friendships can be terrible. <laughs> uh, people can be mean. But God has you, have it, this faith in God comes down to believing and trusting that he has you right where he wants you right now. Exodus 40. I was just reading this this morning. Uh, Exodus chapter 40. Don't, you don't have to turn there. Uh, this is where, uh, for those of you who don't know the story, the Israelites had been uh, in captivity in Egypt. Moses uh, was called by God. He fought him like tooth and nail the whole way, but eventually Moses was called by God and uh, convinced the Pharaoh through God doing miracles and some incredible stuff, uh, the Pharaoh to let the, the Israelites go from slavery and, to, and, and then they went free, and they wandered around this desert to eventually find their way into the promised land, which we know as Israel, right? And so they're wandering around uh, the desert the first time because they get close to the uh, promised land and then, like, make bad choices, and then they have to, like, um, wander the desert again because they made bad choices. That's how my, my family, we talk about it with five-year-olds. Like, if you do something wrong, you've made a bad choice, right? And so... Um, <laughs> it's fun. Anyway, so they, these Israelites, these adults have made bad choices, and, uh, and they had to wander again. But anyway, that's ahead of the story. Back where I'm at now. So the first time they're in the desert, they've built this, this tabernacle, this like tent. They've built this tent um, that God has called them to build, and it's, the, it's, it's this mobile um, sanctuary, basically. It's this place that God actually comes and dwells, and it says, this is incredible. You, you won't believe this, but it actually happened. I don't know, I wasn't there, but I just, I believe with all my heart it actually happened. So during the day, God would come and he would dwell in this place, like this, this giant cloud would be over this uh, tent, basically, this giant uh, tent that had, like, it was like filled with like all kinds of like cool jewelry and different things. Um, and then at night, it would be this giant fire, right? Um, and they, they, for a while, that was how God led the people around in, in the desert, is that he would, like, by night, he'd be this giant pillar of fire, and during the day, he'd be this giant cloud. It's incredible, right? 
Like, God chooses to work in some incredible but, like, weird ways. Um, so anyway, where I'm going with all this is they knew where to go because they followed what they saw the presence of God, right? So when this cloud that was God's presence, they knew that God was there, and that's where God wanted them to be, was there, they stayed there. If the cloud moved, they'd pack all their stuff, and they'd follow the cloud. They'd follow God. They were following God's leading. There's this song that we sing, talks about uh, this, this same thing. Like if God, in like this sort of fun way, right? Like if he goes to the left, and all the white people do this thing because they can't really like do things in rhythm, right? And you look awkward like I look right now. Uh, It's this idea of being where God has called you to be and nowhere else. Not taking a step unless he has called you to take a step. Being satisfied with where you are. And this has been true since the very beginning. If you're chasing after God, then you want to be where God is, and you're going to follow where God's leading. And that all comes down to this faith and trust that we're supposed to have uh, in God. See, with the greatest opportunity that you and I have been afforded is the opportunity to chase God. Before Jesus came, our sin kept us from being in relationship with God, kept us from knowing God in a, on a personal way, and condemns all of us to hell, like the rich man in the parable. But it's whenever you put your trust in Jesus, and you believe that he died on the cross for you, and that because of that, your sins can be forgiven if you confess those sins, and then you trust him, and you take that step of faith, you become a Christian, you, be, you become, you, be, you are made whole at that point, and you're brought into a relationship with him. You can then begin chasing God the way you were created to chase God, and that's the greatest opportunity that, we've, that you and I have ever been afforded. My, my kids, so a lot of you know, but I've got a five-year-old daughter and a three-year-old son, George. Um, they're, they're pretty hilarious. But we, uh, like in the video, like 24-7 tag, that's, that's how it works in my house, and that exact scenario may or may not have happened in my house, right? Tag, you're it. Okay, what am I supposed to do now, right? Um, see, the thing is, they, they really, I mean, they like it whenever I chase them, and I'm like doing the like, Rah, and all this kind of stuff, but they love chasing me, right? They love chasing after me, and be, even though I'm huge, right, I can still outrun them because I'm an adult, right? And so, uh, <laughs> so I can still outrun them, which is often more fun than than uh, not being able to outrun them. One day, I won't be able to do that. But for now, I can outrun them. The only way they can catch me is, is what if I slow down and allow them to catch me, right? You see, our relationship with God works the same way. God can far outpace us in everything, but God has allowed himself. He has slowed down and allowed himself to be caught. We chase after him, and catch him. And 
one of the fun things about whenever I'm playing with my kids and I allow them to catch me is it inevitably ends in a tickle fight and everybody's just laughing and having fun and, and like it's just, it's just a fun, joyful moment, right? There's, that, that's joy in that moment with my kids. In the, same, in the same way, whenever you're running after God and you get those moments where you, where you catch him and you figure out something, there's a tickle fight. No, uh, <laughs> no, there's, there, you're filled with the joy that comes with being in relationship with the Heavenly Father. You're filled with the knowledge that you are loved by the creator of all. You have that opportunity, but you have to chase God says in his word that if you seek me with your whole heart, you will find me. And that's what this chasing series has been about the whole time, is that chasing is not just showing up at Greenhouse. It's not just going on centrifuge, though that's a thing you should do. Um, But it's about genuinely seeking with all that you have after Jesus, not that you're going to be perfect at it, not that you won't fail, but trying and chasing to, after God to know him, to, to find him in the word that he's given us to know who he is as much as he's going to allow us to know who he is, to spend time in prayer with him and to have those moments that we get to catch a truth and we get to know more of who he is and get filled with the joy that comes from being in relationship with the Lord. And so the challenge that I have for you, where we are at this point, right? You're still a couple weeks out. I won't give you too much hope because you're still a couple weeks away from the semester ending. But this is our this is our last junior high only greenhouse. The next couple weeks will be combined. And so as you're, as you're moving into summer, what I don't want you to do, and this happened to me a whole bunch um, when I had summers. I don't have those as an adult. Um, was that summer would be a time that I just put everything on pause I just get to do whatever I want and have fun. And I'm not saying don't have fun. I'm not saying don't like go to the lake and get and you know do fun stuff or whatever. What I'm saying is don't say, oh, you know, next semester, that's when I'm gonna really chase God. That's when I'm gonna really get real about this stuff. But this summer I'm just gonna kind of put that on pause and just kinda do my own thing. And then in August, I'll really get this stuff together. The rich man in the parable that Jesus told. Like a lot of people think, you know, I've got time. You know, I'm young. I've got time to follow God when I get older, when I become an adult. I've got time to really chase him whenever I get to that stage. Well, that stage never really happened for the rich guy. So my challenge for you is right now, where you are, like this literal minute, is to, is to really dig in and chase hard after God with all you have. And some of you have never began that, you've never begun that relationship with Jesus, and so you haven't even started chasing God, really. You may be trying to figure it out at this point, but you've never really begun that relationship to where you can really chase after and truly know him. And all that is is taking that step of faith and trusting that Jesus died for you, will forgive your sins if you confess them, and then seeking after God. So right now, here where we are, commit to chasing God with all you have and and all that you are. Let me pray and we'll go into small groups. Father, I'm thankful for the opportunity to chase you, to, to not just chase you, but to find you, to know who you are. Lord, the all powerful, all knowing, 
creator of all, that I get to have a relationship with you is absurd, but I'm thankful that I get to. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would, you would move in all the hearts of everyone in here to draw them in closer and closer to you. Lord, those who have, have never known you, who've never been saved, who've never confessed their sins to you, I pray that you would move them to do that tonight. For those of us who have begun a relationship with you and are chasing you, uh, but sometimes fall away and chase some other things, draw us back, draw us close. Allow us to find you and be filled with the joy that only comes from you. Christ, I pray. Amen.